Welcome to Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment. Hey there, ladies and gents. Welcome to our Sophisticated Property Investment podcast with me, Frank Flegg, founder of Ethical Property Partners. And today I have with me Mr. Ian Jackson. Welcome back, sir. How are you? I'm good, sir. It's good to hear your voice. It is good to chat. I'm looking forward to my trip over to Belfast next month, actually, to to run a seminar with you and to spend a day training all of the EPP partners in Northern Ireland. Um, so, in we have decided to um, sit down and chat. Now, I know we're not in the same room, but across the pond um, to discuss the upcoming opportunities and preparations that you and I are making with the likely, or some would say imminent, probability of a recession. Now, how many, let's kick off with a bit of experience. When did you start investing? What what, what year did you buy your first property, or how old were you? Uh, well, I was 19 when I bought my first property, which was uh, about 1974, 75. So you bought your first property in 74, 75. Yep. Um, and when did you buy your most recent property? Oh, uh, last Friday. Last Friday. I love it. I love how active you are. I knew it'd be really recent. So let's work that out. Uh, so it's 2022, 75. So that's 25 years plus 22 years. So that's 47 years of investment experience. Uh, when I stand up on stage and say, you know, I'm a newbie to property, that's why I say it, because <laughs> my, my meager 15 years don't even come close. So how many recessions have you seen in that time? Four. Four recessions. Wow. Okay. So the only one I have seen, you know, as an adult with any kind of property experience was the 08, 09 credit crunch. Yeah. How did that one compare to previous ones? So you've seen three before that, have you? Yeah, that's been the worst okay. ever. That was the worst ever, was it? So let's put them on a scale of one to 10, okay. because I think that's important in terms of looking at what we might experience in late 2022, 2023, and maybe beyond. If 10 is the worst recession you could imagine, and one is, you don't really notice it, but statistically, we've had two quarters of flatline. Um, how would you rate the 0809 one? It's at uh, 11. Really? Yep. So it's like the worst you could imagine? Definitely. Especially here in Northern Ireland. Where the ah, that's really- it. Yeah. Because you guys had it a lot worse, didn't you, in uh, Northern Ireland with like, um, what was it, a 65% drop in property prices or something crazy? Yeah. Um, how did the others compare? And you don't have to like quote dates, but roughly when were they as well? There's one when I went into business that, uh, for myself full time, and that was just around about uh, ten years after. Uh, so by '85, it was it was difficult, uh, no doubt. I mean, at that time, um, I remember arranging a, a, an overdraft facility on my uh, business account, and it was eighteen uh, percent. Wow, eighteen percent interest. Yeah. <laughs> it's been like that a long time. You know, it just wasn't for a year or two. It stayed like that a long time, you know. So, and uh, when you're paying 18% back on, on, on borrowed money, it, it's a, it's, it's, you need to be selling stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. What business were you in at the time? Uh, I was in the mobile phone business. So that was, what would you score that one out of 10 then on that scale? Well, that was my first one. So that was the one that hurt, that hurt me the most because I hadn't seen it. 
hadn't experienced it before. Yeah. So at the time, it was it was a ten, but you know, uh, looking back, it's about a seven. Okay, so still pretty um pretty bad. I don't remember it in because I was three yeah. years old at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a seven and then the two in the middle roughly when were they and what kind of severity looking back i can't remember when they were but weren't just as bad that they were they were difficult money was hard to get hands on you know mm. but but i think the, the the biggest issue with the 2007 2008 one was and i just answered it myself was that the banks didn't have money to lend so you couldn't buy you couldn't get money Mm. You know, and even and especially in property, they all. Well, I know in Northern Ireland here, we've only got four banks, so the challenger banks hadn't started then. You know, so we've only four places to go. They all got uh, too much uh, real estate on their books, mm. and uh, they were in the process of closing businesses and companies and people down. Uh, so they, they weren't. They're still not lending. The banks here still are not lending on on, on residential property, and they the lend to first-time buyers and people who live in their houses, but not for uh, any other reason. Even in, in, in business, I was speaking to a, a banker recently, and, and I said, are you still at this, at, at this nonsense of only funding commercial property for um, for trading businesses that are buying the property to trade out of? He says, mm. we're not looking, for any new, not looking for any new business. They want no landlords, basically. Yeah. And that, that just shows how hurt they were yeah. in those in the last recession and so that was 2010 that's 12 years ago isn't it and they're still hurting now to the extent that they don't have an appetite so um as a slight tangent before we get back on topic how are you getting your mortgages at the moment for your investing in northern ireland i'm having to find bridging and, and funding from other sources uh, you know from third party sources um, i've got a few people who have uh, invested with with borrowed money from me like like you do you know people have got money sitting in the bank private investors yeah and so am i right in saying there are no buy to let mortgages available in northern ireland currently um for people like me that already have to already have properties yes yeah so you is it similar to the england where you know the first four are really easy to get and then yes. you're a portfolio landlord and uh they want your inside leg measurement before they lend you 10 yeah so we've got those four recessions from your perspective and we've got the 0809 credit crunch from from my perspective what preparations are you doing now in and and this one isn't a surprise you know no. i i've been well, i think you and i have been talking about inflation being pushed up by the government for the last I want to say we started talking about it in June, July, 2020. Yeah. So we've been talking about interest rates going up and inflation hitting historic highs for the last two years. And of course, those two things often lead to a recession. Yeah. Um, the CIB are saying that it's coming in 2023. Most other um, organizations are saying it's coming in 2022 um, and the problem as we know with many of these things when enough people and the media start predicting something it becomes self-fulfilling because people start acting as if it's real and then it, it becomes um, real so what are you actually doing in preparation for it we're getting we're, we've just sat down yesterday and worked out a marketing plan for the next uh, six months because there's going to be people 
uh, will not be able to move forward. Maybe they, I mean, the challenge is going to be remortgaging. People who are coming to the end of their term will be finding it very difficult to remortgage their house, you know, yeah. or refund their house. And that's going to be, that's the biggest challenge I see. And, um, uh, and we're just getting ready to do more marketing uh, out to help see, reach those people with a view of helping. You know, yeah. uh, and, and I think we're going to have quite a lot of calls. There'll be a lot of people that we'll be able to give advice to, um, you know, and and because uh, not everyone will be able to buy their house from them, but uh, you know, we will give some advice, which is even sometimes more important. Yeah. We only need to do four or five deals in a year to to make it good for us. We don't need to buy fifty houses in the year because mm. what are you going to do with them? <laughs> um, all in that amount, of course, but you know you wouldn't get the funding that quick for them. I mean, uh, Dolph Derus. I remember when I was training with Dolph Derus and uh, back in two thousand and five and six, that he bought fifty two houses in fifty two weeks. Yeah, um, and I, I know the guy personally because he uh, that, that did that for him, um, I, and um, you know. It was easy. It's easy, much easier to do it in the U- in the United States because you can you can just assume a mortgage. You just take it and then that's it, and start paying it and put your name on it. And uh, it's a quick pro deed, oh. they call it, don't they? And it is amazing. I've I've chatted to Dolph about it. Yes. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Dolph is an ambassador of EPP over in the states, actually globally. And um, in introduced him to EPP a few years ago now, and he's he's the um, author of Real Estate Riches, um, New York times best-selling property investment book i think it was like at the top of the charts for weeks upon weeks like 17 weeks or something um and he was the original rich dad um advisor for real estate and has worked closely with robert kiyosaki in the past um rich dad poor dad author and so yeah, he bought 52 houses in 52 weeks. And you know the guy that funded them, do you? I know, no, no, I know the guy that actually did the groundwork. Yes. Oh, I see. Did all the negotiating. He was, he was, he was an Irish guy, so he was. Um, ah, okay. But he was in the States. I mean, he, been in, he, he lives in the States now full time. He was on the same uh, course as me at that time. You know, I remember talking to him, and uh, he was up to the eyeballs, you know, and, and, uh, and, and, and so many people uh, that he, he was going to see and... Uh, you know, then what he was trying to do was separate out the ones that they wanted to buy that was going to make the money and the ones that, that they needed not to buy. If you're going to buy four or five in the next um, year, yeah, and you've just already said that prior to the recession, funding is really hard, buy-to-let funding is really hard. How are you going to structure those purchases? Some of them will be flips um, and others will then go into uh, uh, Matthew's, Matthew will buy them. Who's okay. works with me, so he can get mortgages okay still. Okay, so because he's at the start, so Matthew's your adult son, I should <laughs> hasten to add. He because he's at the start of his property investing career, he can get buy to let mortgages. Yeah. How many will he be able to get before he can't get any more? Is it the four level or is No, he should we should get him up to about ten or so. And then it starts getting tricky for you over there. Okay. Then we'll have to use one of the daughters. Yes, yeah. You just need to keep having kids. That's what it is. In keep having, keep having them every like two years, and you'll be fine for mortgages. <laughs> we wait before Frank can get his first mortgage. Yeah, that's true. He's ten, so I got to wait a few years. Um, it, we laugh about it, but actually, doing joint ventures and having people buy properties in their name using their availability for mortgages is a really important strategy, isn't it? Of course. Um, and 
going into a period of scarcity from a lending perspective we need to be creative and we need to be switched on i have to admit i'm expecting to do a lot of edcs exchange with delay completions where we take over control of the mortgage control of the property and service it mm-hmm. and in, you mentioned people refinancing the difficulties i, I agree 100 percent with you by the way the difficulties that people are going to face with refinancing their properties are going to be massive so let's just imagine a, a couple that both work mr and mrs smith and um they're coming off their fixed rate so they drop off it next week interest rates are already going up lending rates are going up so perhaps they're paying 500 pounds a month on their mortgage and it drops onto a 900 pound a month mortgage they can't afford the extra 400 pounds in fact they were struggling with the 500 pounds because their energy bills have gone up and their food bills have gone up etc they desperately need to refinance so it's not just a case of oh we're paying a bit more never mind they desperately need to refinance or they're going to fall into arrears but the problem is the banks are now not as liberal with their lending as they were two years ago when Mr. and Mrs. Smith got their mortgage. So if they tried to get the same deal, they'd probably be paying more. But not only that, not only the, are the banks charging more and perhaps offering lower loan to value, but also Mr. and Mrs. Smith's affordability's dropped because now their outgoings are so much higher when they do their stress test for the lender's application, the lender's going to say, well, you can't afford 500 pounds a month. You can now only afford 350. But the deal that we had for you was 600. And like you say, they're completely stuck or they need 100,000 pounds worth of lending. But because of the change in their circumstances and the change in the external environment, it's like a double whammy. Now we can only lend you 80. Yeah. And so it's impossible for them to refinance. So they're stuck on 900 a month, even though they could perhaps get a deal at 600 if their affordability was better. And then they start slipping into arrears and then they get themselves into a pickle and and, and need to sell. So I agree. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity to purchase properties, take control of properties in order to save people from repossession and bankruptcy. I agree. Um, so in your preparation, in your marketing plan, what marketing are you doing over the next six months? Uh, well, we've been doing radio and we'll extend that and we'll be doing uh, door-to-door leafleting. Mainly radio and leafleting. And you do those at the same time, do you, in conjunction yes, with one another? Conjunction, yes, because the, the radio builds the brand and then when the uh, letter drops through the letterbox, that completes the circle. Yeah, absolutely. Where's the circle is what, we, what you would say. And so we're going to see more people needing to sell because they're unable to refinance are there any other opportunities that you see going into a recession we need to be fairly aware of of looking at what you can lock down on now to stop it going up we've just uh, looked through our our mortgages that we have and we picked out uh i think it was and there were seven mortgages we picked out were on variable but because uh, variable was was plus one over base uh, or plus one and a half over base. It wasn't annoying us, uh, you know. But we've just relocked really those into two year and some of them into most of them into a two year fix and one into a five year fix, and that's uh, uh, saving us uh, just over five hundred pounds a month on mortgage costs on seven properties. And that's five hundred pound a month now. Yeah. But if interest rates go to two and a half percent in the next 12 months it's saving you a lot more then isn't it and so it's that certainty for sure yeah 
Yeah. Are you doing much on the income side of the equation? Because I'm focused massively at the moment on raising my rents, sorting out my HMOs where bills are included, um, because obviously bills are going up massively. Yes. So we're, we're talking to our HMO tenants now about them splitting bills between them or us only funding the bills to a certain amounts and then them paying any um, surplus above that. And also we're putting up um, our serviced accommodation rates massively because obviously those are inclusive, inclusive of bills and cleaning, both of which are costing us more. So we're really looking to raise the income side of the equation. Are you doing much on that at the moment? Yes, we are. We've, we've done some work with... Um... Uh, with the rents, uh, we haven't actually gone out to the tenants yet, but we, we know what we need to do. So we'll do so we'll, that'll be the next step. Very hard for us to predict, Ian, but we've talked about recessions on a 7 out of 10 scale, a 5 out of 10 scale, a 10 out of 10 scale for the credit country, or 11, as you said. Um, what do you think this one might look like? And it's, it's very hard because, you know, we don't know what Ukraine's going to look like. We don't know what's going to happen to fuel prices. There could be something else around the corner. Um, I don't know if you know, but we've just had, I think, the ninth case of monkeypox I've heard on the on the media. It's not really hit the news massively yet, but we could have another um, pandemic of any description crop up. Um, we could have a fake pandemic. And what I mean by that is we could have a, a, an outbreak of something that actually isn't as dangerous as COVID. Yes, but that now governments overreact to and put us into a lockdown sooner. You know, we could have something like that. So it's very hard to predict. But what, what's your thinking in terms of how deep and how long this recession might be? I think uh, in, in the, from, from those people in business, um, they're likely to, to react swifter. And, uh, and in doing so, not feel the, the pain just as much as the public might just think that, It'll be over, um, you know, and I think that's going to be the challenge. And obviously, as you said earlier, the, the media are, are already, you know, taking us into death row. Um, and, and that's not good either, you know, because mm. they're, they're picking people out that are in very difficult situations. And that's only encouraging, that's only letting people say, well, that's where I'm going attitude, you know, instead of bringing some hope to the situation. I, I think the, I think it's going to be. A little, it's going to be much less severe than 2007 and 2008, only because yes. there's money available to, to, to borrow for people in business. Yeah. Um, but I think that uh, the, the public uh, are probably going to feel the pain the, the most, and especially those through the pandemic who have decided because the house sales were very good, uh, have sold their house maybe, and then they have a... a, a you know, a bigger mortgage and maybe they're stretched already before this came along. I think that scenario is far more common than we realize in. Yeah. I think in that moment, emotions were very high. People were emotional about spending all this time together in their small house um, or in their large house. But now their adult children had come back to stay with them or their adult children and their boyfriends and girlfriends had came come back to stay with them. Um, they had more money in the bank than they'd perhaps had ever because they're on furlough or their businesses were still operating and their expenditure was, was at an all-time low. They weren't booking holidays. They weren't filling the car up with petrol, etc. So I think UK savings 
went through the roof. So individual people, their, their savings went through the roof as an average, obviously not everyone, but that means for every person who didn't build their savings, and I know that the pandemic affected people very disproportionately, but that means if one person didn't raise their savings, someone else did double the average amount of savings. So there's a lot of savings in the economy. And <laughs> I'm a bit cynical sometimes. I don't think that this is a coincidence at all. So I think the government have pushed inflation up massively. Of course, it's been helped by the war in Ukraine. But my my accountant was on this podcast, as I say, two years ago, saying what's coming next is massive inflation. And that's because it erodes government debt. But not only does it erode government debt and our buy-to-let mortgages, I hasten to add, which is which is great for us, but it also gets those savings pots out of individuals' bank accounts and into the government's bank account. Yeah. And I think that's really important for the government. They want that money back. They've pumped it into the economy, and now they're taking it back. In uh, People miss the fact that if a car costs £10,000, they get £2,000 VAT. Yeah. But if that car goes up to £20,000, the government now gets £4,000 in VAT. They haven't changed the VAT threshold. No. They haven't put taxes up in, in inverted commas, but they now they've doubled their revenue. And we are currently, I think it's the highest in my lifetime, I think it's the highest since the 70s now inflation. That 10% a year increase, that means that that car that was £10,000 last year that generated £2,000 in VAT for the government, this year is £11,000 on average, generating £2,200. Yeah. It's a massive increase in, in tax revenues for the government. And so I think you're absolutely right. People had a lot of money in their bank account. They were very pressured to go and get bigger houses. And this was the killer for me. People were excited about how fast houses were going up in value. So they were looking at their 500 grand house and they were looking at the million pound house they could just about stretch to. And they were thinking to themselves, well, it's going to be worth 1.1 million this time next year. So if I can just stretch myself, I'm going to get more appreciation moving forward. And of course, if interest rates go up, like you say, and if the price of houses drops, let's say that million pound house becomes 900k, all of a sudden they could find themselves very easily in a negative equity situation and a mortgage that they can't service. And, and I think there'll be a lot of people like that. Yeah, I agree with you. In terms of this looming recession, how do you feel about it, In Do you feel positive? Do you feel indifferent? Do you feel negative from the perspective of, you know, you have your own portfolio and you have an investment company that, that's, as you say, buying four, five, six houses a, a year? No, I'm, I'm happy enough. I, I've been here before, so I'm not, I'm not afraid like I might have been some other times and there's going to be, there's going to be massive opportunities. I mean, I remember whenever uh, the, uh, the, the one before 2007, 2008, uh, which, which I recall, the ones before the 2007, 2008 were normal ones. Like what this is, you know, it's, it's, it's all things coming together and pushing things up. And it was, uh, like my business grew substantially. So it did because, um, don't get me wrong, there were opportunities came up from manufacturers that we were, at that time I was buying 
obviously uh, mobile telephones and, and accessories. And a lot of the big companies decided they would reduce their stock levels, you know, to get some cash in. Yeah, so they were cutting deals. You know, we, we were. I was buying stuff. You know, uh, you know, a thousand pieces at a time uh, back then, and and the prices were amazing. And I was able to still give the people that I was selling to a reduction in price, but but increase my profit margin. So you're pretty balanced, are you? You're not excited, but you're not fearful. You're you're just taking it in your stride. Is that is that where you're at yeah, on it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's an interesting one, and maybe it's the naivety of youth. I don't know, but I'm actually quite ex- excited. So I'm I'm on the positive side of that yeah. equation um, because I, I look at my exposure. And there's definitely risks. Um, we we have a, a 28 bedroom hotel. Yes, that's right. And our electricity bill for that it's an unusual one it's 100% electric there's no gas at all um and our electricity bill bill for that went from I think it was 1500 pounds to just shy of 5000 pounds um in the course of three months and that takes that investment from profit making to uh, loss making now that's because we haven't put the prices up quickly enough. So we're now putting prices up quickly. Um, it's also because we were a bit lazy and we had stuck with the same supplier for a long time. And we've now shopped around and got it down to 3000 So okay. going from four and a half to three doesn't sound like much, but from 1500 to three is better than 1500 to four and a half. Our electricity bill has doubled on that property, but that puts us back into profit, which is good. And then, of course, we'll put the prices up and then that will increase our profit further. And we'll probably end up making the same kind of profit as we, we did all along. It might be harder to get ro- to fill the rooms and get the occupancy, but, you know, going into a recession, but maybe it won't be. Who knows, you know, so I'm, I'm not that concerned, but there's a risk there, for example. There are risks in terms of my mortgages. So a lot of those are on variable. We're not able to fix them all. Um, so some of our mortgages will go up quite substantially and some of our private finance may be recalled because whilst interest rates are at 0.1% for a long time, us offering 5 6 7% interest is amazing. If interest rates go to 3 or 4% then or even 5% over the medium term, then the difference between what we're paying and what people can get in the bank is is reduced and so our, our offering becomes less attractive so especially if prices if house prices start start dropping yes. people I, I i wouldn't be surprised if some of my investors and i know most of them um personally you know i've met them etc they're typically quite risk averse so if they perceive that yes. my business is at risk which it's not at all but if they perceive that you know my loan to value is very low um then they could start serving notice and calling in the those loans and so what i have been doing is i have been um working really hard to renegotiate those private loans so i've been saying to people look you're currently on a rolling contract um of three months notice to get your money back and what i'm wanting to do is i'm wanting to reinvest your funds into a, a a more substantial project um but in order to do so i need to change it to a 12 month notice period are you happy with that or would you like a fixed term would you like to fix it for three years just to give me some certainty what i don't want is you know a million pounds worth of lending all called in with three months notice 
at the same time that yeah. that would be catastrophic but if i've got everyone staggered then i can pay them back as and when they serve notice so for me there are certainly some risks um of going into this recession of course my own cost of living goes up as well um but overall i'm excited i'm excited about the massive opportunities there will be to buy um the because i can remember buying in uh, 2010 and everything seemed to be downvalued yeah and so i'd offer 75 on a 100 grand house and then it get down value to 90 and so i'd have to go back to the vendor and show them the valuation and say look i'm so sorry i think it's worth 100 you think it's worth 100 but really all that matters is what the bank says so now i can only give you and i'd knock um the seven and a half thousand pounds off so then it would become 67 500 and the number of properties that i own now where that's happened and i'm just quids I'm I'm quids in because I've been paying less interest for the whole duration, you know, the last 10, 12 years. And I've got more equity now than I would have had before. So yeah, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about those opportunities. I think not only will there be more sellers, but there's going to be a lot less buyers. So the traditional buyers, if if you think of traditional buyers in Northern Ireland, they're going to give up then, aren't they? Oh, they are. Yeah, definitely. And so all of a sudden, at the moment, and I'd, lo- I'd love to know, actually, how many inquiries a month do you get from your radio advertising in, in Northern Ireland? We would get around about six to ten a month. So not, not big numbers at all. Mm. Um, but there must be other buyers advertising in the back of the newspaper. Have you got competitors there? Not very many. Not many at all. Okay, mm. that's interesting. In fact, the... the, the, the any that are active would be ones from the UK. And uh, just yesterday, um, I got um, one of the UK companies that buys uh, sent me a lead in Balamina and asked me to follow it up. Oh, okay. <clears throat> you know, so they're not even bad here either. No, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um, I guess your main competitors are private individuals buying through yeah. estate agents then, aren't yes. they? And of course, <laughs> as that pot of motivated vendors grows at the same time the pot of buyers willing to buy those properties is shrinking that just means that opportunities are bound for for us as sophisticated investors aren't they yeah yeah, yeah. i think that i mean there will be lots of opportunities uh, to uh, help people and to buy uh, real estate in the next uh, few months i think what's going to take a, a bit of a, a dive will be the commercial side probably going to get more problematic to fund yeah uh because of the um because of the feeling in the market that that it's going to get difficult if you know what i mean the banks are probably going to uh pull their horns in and and be a little bit more difficult to uh, get money out of for that have you got the same um challenge in northern ireland that commercial landlords are now facing in the uk whereby the UK government or the England and Wales government are talking about forcing commercial landlords to let properties to charities or to, on, on a lower rent yeah. if they've been empty on the high street for a certain period of time. Is that coming into Ireland as well? Not yet. But it's, no. It's being talked about, but it's not here yet. Yeah, I don't think it's been formalised in um, in England and Wales yet, but that could have a massive oh. impact on the commercial market. It's just, just kill retail. Well, the problem that I see is values in 
commercial properties and I've, I've got a few commercial properties um, are dependent on the market rent. It doesn't matter if your property's That's occupied right. or, or vacant, it's dependent on the market rent. So if 18 months ago you let something at 50k a year and you've got your valuation based on that and you're just holding out for another tenant that's willing to pay 50 grand and you know that we're going to go through a bit of a recession but it doesn't matter because maybe it's unencumbered or or um or whatever if you then are forced to let it and some charity is only willing to pay you five grand a year Mm -hmm. so you're forced to put them in on a six month lease or maybe you're forced to put them in on a five-year lease or something that would be awful as a a landlord Mm -hmm. but we don't know what the details will be but even if it's only a six-month lease all of a sudden any lending that you get on that property has just been cut by 90%. It's, 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 it'd be catastrophic for anyone trying to refinance or if you have got finance already, that loan could be called in because now you know, you're know you above their, their loan to value or you're above their stress test. And the worst thing is, even if you don't have to do that in your property, so even if you've got a decent tenant in your property, if the two retail premises either side of you have have been forced to let at a lower rent your market rent could even drop even if you've got a good paying tenant it's um and of course we're going to see bankruptcies and we're going to see companies go under you know some of the high street retailers are bound to go under in this recession um so yeah i think it's a turbulent time for commercial i, I have to admit i'm not in a hurry to go into commercial at the moment um there will be massive opportunities and so i will always look at them but the the deals that we do in commercial will need to be really sweet really really good and and this is something that i was going to ask you about Ian. are you changing the offers you're making at the moment because we had a monthly training day in derby last week last tuesday yes and i did a session on recession proofing your offers right and so if you're doing um, vendor finance at the moment uh, on a HMO, for example, you shouldn't make it a fixed payment every month. So don't make it a £500 a month payment. Um, instead of that, try to link it to the profit of the HMO. So you could say, look, um, currently... The, the HMO makes a thousand pounds a month. So I'm willing to give you 50% of that. Um, I'm hoping that rents will go up as well. And I'm happy to give you 50% of the increase in rents as well. So if we make it 50% of the monthly profit of the HMO, then you're, you're going to benefit from that. Loads of vendors would go for that. But of course, what it means is if the energy bills go through the roof yes. and it starts making 800 pounds a month, the wording of your agreement is that you only have to pay 50% of the profit. So just recession-proofing your deals. You talked about flips. How do you protect yourself against a falling market when doing a flip, for example? Well, the flips that that I do here are in properties that I know are pretty much recession-proof. You know, I mean, and we're buying, we're we're, we're offering deep enough uh, that we... Uh, can bring we can add value and put it back in the market and we'll have uh, you know a, a value and geographically where they are they're in all in towns you know so we know uh, uh, we can, and can predict the, the likelihood of what they're going to get when they're finished mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense excellent yeah. um 
do you typically buy and then sell in a traditional sense, or do you typically do an assisted sale when you're doing a flip? No, I buy, I, I buy and pay for it. And you know it's yours. Yeah, and then and then sell it on. Yeah, um, I've seen I've seen people come unstuck with the assisted sales, and yeah. I would be nervous yep. going into assisted sales into a recession because if you agree to pay X for the property and then you invest a load in the works and then the GDV of the property starts to drop, you can end up in a situation where you lose money, but the, the vendor gets what they want. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's where writing into the agreement, if prices drop below this threshold, we agree to let the property out. We agree to go 50-50 on the rent. It, it really needs to be a heads we win and tails we don't lose scenario going into any deal. Um, and I guess for you, if you're buying them outright with cash, the absolute worst case scenario is you don't sell, you you, you rent it and you get a decent yes. income on it until okay. prices recover. So, so long as you're only doing so many at a time that you're happy to hold them if you get caught, yeah. you, you're fine, aren't you? And I guess that's where the benefit of doing four, five, six a year is a year comes from you can solve any problem with that really can't you and what i like is you're still flipping through a recession people often give up and they're like oh i can't buy if houses are dropping you know if, if a hundred grand house today might be worth 95 in three months time i can't i'm not going to do a flip you know i could lose money mm. well not if you're buying them at 60 <laughs> you can buy them at 60 sell them at 85 and have them gone in 28 days for an auction if you're getting um if you're getting your numbers right and i like that about how you do your business in in uh, northern ireland and you you're very pragmatic you know a lot of people go well it's worth 100 today so i'm going to keep it on the market and if you keep it on the market for 6 or 12 months yeah it will be worth 85 then and then you'll be kicking yourself for not cashing in sooner yeah. um but of course in the time that someone's sat there trying to get 100 for it you might have done three or four flips with that same pot of money. Yes. And so your profit's so much higher, isn't it? Yeah. Way back in the early days, I was in the motor trade and um, we're, we were at a rental franchise. And uh, somebody said to me, uh, look, the first profit you get is always the best. And uh, when you don't take it, you'll never sell it. And I'm telling you, that's absolutely correct. Say that again, mate. It was a bit complicated for my little brain to sort out. <laughs> so you, you buy. I was buying and selling cars, and yeah. and I maybe find a, a, what I would call a really good deal, you know. And I was being bullish uh, by waiting till I got the bigger price. Yeah, that's the one that you're going to lose on. Yeah. So it is, and it's uh, the first profit is always the best. So in other words, if you get an offer for a property and, and you're making profit, take yeah. it. Because you don't know when the next one's coming along. Yeah, absolutely. I've got um, I've got a property at the moment, and this this is an interesting one. We'll we'll wrap up on this story. So, I bought it um, for about one nine eight. I think it was one nine eight, but it was in the one nineties. Um, about four years ago, that was a good BMV price. It was worth probably two sixty, two seventy at the time, and. Um, I've rented it out. It's made £900,000 a month uh, in rent for, for that time. So it's been okay. Um, we've had a valuation at 340 on it. Uh, I own it with a business partner and we've had a valuation at 380. Okay. So I'm going to make nice profit given that it owes me um, with purchase costs, probably owes me 210. Okay. We've decided we're going to put it into auction 
and we're putting the reserve. Do you want to guess what we're putting the reserve at? 295. 220. Wow. And the reason for that, so we've agreed we'll both take five grand out of it after costs, right? So um, there's our profit. And the reason I tell the story is because it's exactly what you've just said. Will I be disappointed if it sells at 220? I absolutely will. I'll be gutted. But <laughs> you've got to be bold. And yeah. um, I've had a few chats with my business partner and we're on the same page. We think there'll be a frenzy. We think people will be so excited. First time buyers will fall in love with it. They'll they'll work out, you know, what how they're going to extend it and stuff. Um, it's a nice detached uh, three bedroom property, nice big garden. That they'll, they'll I, I can just imagine we're going to have group viewings and people will be climbing over each other to walk around the property. Um, we're doing it on a really short. It's a modern day auction, so we're doing it on a really short auction term. I think we're doing seven days. Um, wow. So you can just imagine the viewings are going to be, you know, uh, and we're, we're telling the agent to do group viewing. So we get 20, 30 people around at a time. Yeah. I don't know if you know how the modern day auction works, but they pay 4% of the purchase price within two hours yeah. of the auction closing. Yeah. So you know that they're committed. Yeah. And then they have, I think they have something like a week to exchange um, because we've sorted out an auction pack already. So they've got all their searches and everything. And then we're giving them, so they'll need to, so if you work, if you work this out, right. So let's say it sells for, I think it could sell for 400. Um, so if it does, it might not, but I'm, I've picked 400 cause it's easy on the numbers. They will pay, let's call it 5% up front. So they'll pay 20 grand within two hours and then they'll have to pay, um, their 10% deposit. So they'll pay another, um, 20 grand to get it up to, their 10% deposit, but then we're going to give them 90 days to complete. complete. And the reason we give them the 90, we could, we could do it 14 days or 28 days because it's an auction, yeah. but we're giving them 90 days to complete so that when they're in that seven day auction, they can think to themselves, oh, I haven't got the money now, but I'll be able to raise it in three months. I'll be able to sell something or be able to get an investor or whatever, and they'll bid higher so that we get that highest bid possible so that's that's kind of what yours you you're it's, it's along the same lines as what you were saying in isn't it you don't go in too bullish yes and because you're not greedy actually you make more money overall so right. i will come back to you in uh in in a month's time and let you know ask me on the podcast what it sells for yeah. and i'll let you know auction is a good way to move stuff on i saw one an auction uh, three weeks ago it's to complete, it should complete next week you know, oh brilliant they've already, um, got, they've already got their money paid you know day one and what what did you pay for it what did you spend and well, what you sold it for it's, it's in the end of a line I bought three tourist houses and uh, they're all they've been derelict for years and I've fixed up two of the three and the third one um, the, the, the people I was using this is in, in, in West Houghton in, 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 up in Bolton so the team I was using decided that the last one would they would charge me double to uh, rework it. So I, said, right. I said, that's all right, guys, don't bother yourself. I'll just sell it an auction. And uh, so they were looking, hundred. the house is worth 150000 when it finished. Yeah. They wanted a hundred and uh, they wanted 127000 to bring it up to standard. <laughs> and I, I stuck it in an auction and got 68 for it. And what did it cost you? No, it cost, didn't cost me anything because it was at the end. It's, it's been paid for, if you know what I mean. Out of the other ones. What yeah. did you pay for the three? I think I paid about 130000 or something for the three of them. 
for the three of them. So what's that, 40-odd yep. each, and you got 68 for it. And that's it. That's 28 grand that's just in your pocket. Yep. But you've made more money on the other ones as well. Yeah. 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 And also, and this is a, a factor, your time is a resource. So yep. even if they would have done it for 100 grand, that's not making you tons of money. And it takes you time, tons of time, whereas you can just whack it in an auction. It takes you two hours of your time. You walk away with your 68 grand and you can go do some more deals and make more money with them. It's, there, there's definitely an opportunity cost there, isn't there? It's, um, yeah. yeah, I've got a um, service accommodation um, property and I've got two pads on the property. I talked about it previously on the podcast, actually, and I haven't I've, I've put concrete pads in. It overlooks the, the beach and. Um, I want to put mobile um, log cabins on these pads. I've wired them for electrics. I've put water to them, mains water, and I've got um, sewage to them. But I haven't actually put the units on because I couldn't find a company that was competitive and would do all the work for me. I, I didn't want to project manage, you know, building a log cabin. It's not worth my time. It's about two and a half hours from from where I live. And amazingly this is just such a coincidence i got a whatsapp message yesterday from a plasterer who has plastered three houses three complete houses for me in 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 and around that um location and um he sent me a picture of a log cabin it looked really nice he said frank um i know you haven't heard from me in a couple of years but i'm building this lovely log cabin in my back garden at the moment if you want me to do one for each of your concrete plinths at your beach house just let me know <laughs> so I, I messaged him back it's like people that you know are embarrassed about asking for the sale you should take a note out of this guy's book because i messaged him back within like 30 seconds and said mate i'd love you to build one for me um i haven't got planning permission so you need to build it onto a um mobile home chassis you know with the little tires so that it's mobile but come back to me with uh, with a price and he's <laughs> he's on it today he's messaged me saying right i found two chassis they're this much um let me just go measure up the plinths and i'll come back to you with a design and uh, and a price and for me i trust him because he's worked for me for a few years and done some decent jobs i can just sign off on the design he'll build it and i'll pay for it when he's built it you know it's like the leverage of getting that done those plinths have been sat there for a couple of years because okay. I haven't had the inclination or the time to, yes. to employ someone to do it. But now that he's willing to do all that for me, it frees me up. And so, yeah, he's going to get the job, which is interesting, isn't it? It's, um, I like how you've cut your losses there. Not, you haven't cut your losses. You've, you've not been greedy with your profits. No, I'm recycling the money because I've already got yeah. a, deal, a deal agreed here that I need to pay 67 grand for so there's 68 now. So the 68 came in and 67 went out. That's the way to do it, isn't it? Yeah. Awesome. I'll check on at the moment. So, you know, we've got plenty going on. Ian, it's always a pleasure, mate. We'll walk through this recession together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, help each other. That's what it's all about. I agree completely. And on that note, guys, if we can help you in any way, if you are looking to build a portfolio in this massive buying opportunity over the next couple of years do get in touch equally if you've got properties that you want to offload or want to jv with then do get in touch with ian in northern ireland and the republic of ireland and um, with us here at hq in england and wales until next time guys happy investing sophisticated property investing a podcast brought to you by ethical property partners the experts in sophisticated property investment